Writing a resume can often feel like quite a chore. It's like this big task and you're bombarded with all these questions. What to write, which skills to mention, how to best present your achievements. It's never ending. And even when you finally finish, you can't help but wonder, is this resume truly the best it can be? And this doubt is reasonable. After all, your resume is the first impression you present to a potential employer and nobody wants to miss out on an opportunity just because their resume didn't quite hit the mark. Also, there is a lot of information out there on resume writing, but sometimes too much advice can just leave us feeling lost. That's why on today's episode of Workwise with Nokri, we'll discuss how to make a great resume. And who better to guide us than Nidhi Chauhan, a certified professional resume writer, interview coach and mentor at Masters Union. She's got all the insights to help us demystify the art of resume writing. From transitioning dilemmas like quitting or switching your job to the dreaded career breaks, from make or break situations like negotiating CTCs or handling feedback between peers to people related complexities like handling a difficult manager or a toxic work environment workwise we cover it all hi welcome to workwise with nokri a show to help you work better and accelerate your career welcome to the to workwise with nokri My pleasure to be here. We often talk about that there are people who have same years of experience, same skill set, but still they're not getting the same opportunities. They apply to various jobs, but they're not shortlisted. I want this podcast to be a masterclass on how to get that perfect resume, and you, being an authority, would like to have your inputs on it. So, what does it take to get that perfect resume? Oh, a perfect resume is something that is a blend of three things. it's most of the people when they write the resume it's all candidate centric mm-hmm. it is about what would i think of myself mm-hmm. but at the end of the day are you able to sell yourself in under 60 seconds mm-hmm. so it is a written version of an elevator pitch if you'd like to see it that way mm-hmm. uh, when a recruiter looks at your resume understand why hiring is happening mm-hmm. because there's a problem mm-hmm. and they're looking for a solution mm-hmm. are you positioning yourself as mm-hmm. that solution in other words is solution selling happening mm-hmm. in your resume So it lies at the intersection of three things: what does a company want from you, mm-hmm. what does a recruiter want to know mm-hmm. about you, and what is it that you can contribute. Mm-hmm. So, kind of a union between mm-hmm. company and yourself mm-hmm. and the recruiter. Mm-hmm. But not just that; a perfect resume is very easy for a recruiter to read. Mm-hmm. You don't make it a treasure hunt for them. Ki where's the contact information? Mm-hmm. What's the overall years of mm-hmm. experience? What is the core competence? Mm-hmm. It is very beautifully written in such a way mm-hmm. that one can glean through it mm-hmm. and understand what your core competence mm-hmm. is. Very clear written mm-hmm. communication. That is what a perfect resume would be. That sounds great. And you used a word: how you sell yourself. Mm-hmm. People often have this barrier that how can I sell myself? And that is where they say the world will get to know about me. Why do I need mm-hmm. to talk about myself? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on it? That Should I showcase my skill set on my resume? Isn't that too glorified, too bombastic? What's mm-hmm. your thought on this? The point is, if you don't talk about yourself, nobody else will. The world is a very big place, and if you don't sell yourself, who else is going to? If you look at it, every person is a salesperson, whether it's the one at the uh, at the shop or whether it's you working with the company. You're basically selling your skills in exchange for money. So unconsciously, you are selling yourself. Why not own that skill in such a way 
that your communication within your job search tools is so great that you have the upper hand in negotiation and you get to decide what money is put on the table to get you there. It's not the company that you are running after, it's the company and you at an equal footing in that case. Unless you sell yourself, that's not going to happen. So if we go a bit deeper and dissect the resume, that what are the elements that have to be there in a resume which will meet the checklist of an HR of a recruiter that, okay, if we have these points in place, boom, it's shortlisted. Right. So before we dive into that, we need to understand what the job of a recruiter is. Okay. A recruiter and a hiring manager do very perform very different functions. Like. So a hiring manager will basically collaborate with the recruiter mm -hmm. and also with the client to understand what is the skill set that needs to be brought on the table mm -hmm. for a particular problem to be solved. Now, from this point on, it's the recruiter's job, like a treasure hunt, to find the right candidate. Mm -hmm. So the recruiter has a checklist, mm -hmm. say 10 qualities, which are must have. Six qualities which are good to have. Okay. If you have them, mm -hmm. great. You'll be mm -hmm. ahead in the queue. Mm -hmm. If you don't have them, have them, that's not a deal breaker for okay. you. So now, because the recruiter is functioning with a checklist, a perfect resume for a recruiter or something that an ideal resume would be, the kind of things it should have, one should definitely be your contact information. Mm -hmm. You would be surprised. I am a CPRW, a mm -hmm. Certified Professional Resume Writer. Mm -hmm. And I, when I was a student, was guilty of putting wrong contact information on my resume. My resume was pristine, mm -hmm. but my contact number was wrong. So, Why somebody so? was it intentional? No. Okay. That's the point. Mm -hmm. So, the thing is, we, nobody would do it intentionally, mm -hmm. but you end up doing it because you're already under so much stress mm -hmm. when you write mm -hmm. your resume mm -hmm. that one zero ki jage you put uh, zero one and mm -hmm. you won't even realize the contact number is mm -hmm. wrong. That's the last thing you decide mm -hmm. to check. Mm -hmm. You look at everything else your mm -hmm. achievements, your contributions, responsibilities, but what about your contact information? Mm -hmm. First thing to check is the right contact information. Okay. Second is to realize that you are not going to talk about your responsibilities mm -hmm. because let's be very blunt here. Work experience does not equate to excellence in the domain. Mm -hmm. Someone can have seven years of work experience in that domain, still be mediocre at yep. it. Somebody else can have two years of experience at that domain yes. and be excellent at it. Right. So understanding the difference mm -hmm. between excellence and work experience and projecting your excellence in the resume is what is required. Before we go on. Mm -hmm. Contact information. One is your mobile number, right? Yes. Your your email ID. Yes. Your LinkedIn URL. Yes. Is it a part of contact information? Yes, it is. And if you have a portfolio, that mm -hmm. as well. Okay. And what does that include? Like for Say which if you have a GitHub applicable? profile, okay. a GitHub profile, mm -hmm. for example, if you're somebody in the media industry, you mm -hmm. could have created an on online portfolio mm -hmm. for yourself that's mm -hmm. linked to something, mm -hmm. something that is proof of work, which mm -hmm. in our domain we refer to as a value validation project. Mm -hmm which shows that you have some kind of hands-on mm -hmm. skill set mm -hmm. on that. Okay. And like, where do you like place this, these things? On the header. On the Absolute header. top. Mm -hmm. Absolutely important. By the way, uh, there are people who had, uh, have headers and footers in their pages. Yes. And in that, they add the text for their contact mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. The worst possible mistake you can make. Because one, it is not a recruiter who is directly going to get your resume in the first row. We'll mm -hmm. talk more about it. But when they do, it is going to be a repetition, number one. Number two, the system in which the resume goes will not be able to extract that information from mm -hmm. a header or footer. Mm -hmm. So have it separately as normal text in mm -hmm. your resume and that will... Not as a header, not as a not footer. Not as a header, a big not no. as a footer. Yes. A big no. Okay. So once we get this part like sorted, mm -hmm. then you, you will like, like spoke of your skills and the competence. 
Are you only talking about the um, the summary, the experience, the objective? No. no. I'm talking about the core competencies Core competencies. Section. And this should not be a soft skill. So, okay. claiming that I'm a good leader, I'm a good <clears throat> team player. Let's be honest, somebody who is a horrible team player mm -hmm. is never going to tell you that I'm a horrible team player because mm -hmm. he or she wants to get hired. Mm -hmm. So, these are just claims, tall mm -hmm. claims that anyone mm -hmm. can make. What really matters is your hard skills. Mm -hmm. So, say for example, project management, mm -hmm. product management, developing prototypes. These kind of things are your hard skills or functional mm -hmm. skills. And they need to be put under the core competencies mm -hmm. section to give a bird's eye view of what are the things that you're capable mm -hmm. of. Instead of searching for it all over in the resume, reading a sentence and mm -hmm. then coming to a conclusion mm -hmm. that you know such mm -hmm. a thing. I often feel that apart from just highlighting what you have done, it should be quantified that mm -hmm. maybe in terms of percentages, maybe in terms of how much revenue you brought to the organization, how many sales you closed in the last quarter. Mm -hmm. If we get those numbers along mm -hmm. with that, okay, I was managing a team, managing a team of 50 members mm -hmm. adds more value. What are your yes. thoughts on this? Definitely, you need to show to the employer the scale of what you've done and the mm -hmm. scale of the impact that you've mm -hmm. created. You're working with a team, mm -hmm. great. But what is the kind of team you're handling? Mm -hmm. Is it a team that is based across geographical regions mm -hmm. uh, where you're working with people remotely mm -hmm. or you're working with people of a certain region? Mm -hmm. uh, what is the size of the team? How many direct reportees? How many indirect reportees? Mm -hmm. These things become essential mm -hmm. to put together the bigger picture for the recruiter. For instance, if they are looking for someone uh, who has handled large teams, then how do you define large? And that's going to be there in job descriptions most of the time. You need to define the number that you work mm. with and let the recruiter decide whether or not it is large enough for them, given so the true. scope of their project. So true. I'm sure that all those who will listen to this part, they might think that, you know, all this sounds great, mm -hmm. but I just have one page. How can I fit all of this in that mm -hmm. one page? Mm -hmm. So what's your take on brevity mm -hmm. in terms of like glorifying or like talking about what you have done and also maintaining the brevity in the in section? the resume? Yeah. Absolutely essential because the average time that a recruiter is going to look at your resume to qualify you according to the checklist is just about 30 to 40 seconds. That's it. Nothing more than that. Unfortunately, the number that is floating out there in the market is six mm. seconds. Yes, yes, yes. Must have heard of <laughs> yes. it. Uh, but six if to eight do, seconds. Yes, but if you do the research, mm. that particular number was mm. given by a company that is now closed. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that, by the way, uh, that was a means of fear mongering. <laughs> uh -huh. To sell their services. Yeah. Of course, unethical things don't mm. last. Mm. Uh, so that is what happened. Mm. And that number has ever since remained the same. Mm -hmm. But try and you will not be able to see mm. anything in six mm. seconds. That's not going to happen. Mm. The actual number, if you speak to recruiters in the industry, mm -hmm. is 30 to 40 seconds. Mm. And like I said, a written version of the elevator pitch, if mm. you remember, brevity is absolutely important. Mm. You could have done 100 things, mm -hmm. but what does the recruiter want to know? For instance, I'm sitting here as an expert in the job search domain. But I train birds. Mm -hmm. Is that relevant to this? Mm -hmm. It's not. So why mm -hmm. am I going to talk about it? Absolutely. Why am I going to put it in? Relevant. Think of important. it. Absolutely. Think mm -hmm. of it like a cube. It has six faces, mm -hmm. six different numbers on a die. But depending on what the recruiter wants to see, you turn that face towards them, show what they want to see and put just that. Everything else is the secondary. Look at the primary stuff and you will get that through the job description. So we have the, the like heading part is sorted. Mm -hmm. The competency part sorted. What mm -hmm. next? The next part would be your tools section. Tools. Yes. Like what? SAP, mm -hmm. Tally. Okay. Mm -hmm. Some of these roles require you to have hands-on experience in these tools. And while it may sound unfair that your last workplace didn't give you the chance for that, for this workplace, it's absolutely essential that you hit the ground running from day one. Where do you place them? I mean, the, the like, tools section, the mm -hmm. entire resume, where do you place it? 
right after your core competencies section. How about if someone has a lot of things to talk about mm-hmm. and he can and he has a lot of experiences, mm-hmm. what's the need of you know spending those like two or three lines talking about your summary and all? Is it mandatory? I mean, at times you can always give it a miss. What's your take? No, you cannot give it a miss because in your career summary you have to talk about your unique selling proposition, your USP. There could be somebody else in the industry with twenty years of experience the way you have maybe, and then look at it. What is the difference? Like I said, work experience does not equate to excellence. Similarly, eligibility does not equate to suitability. Let me break that down for you. If you have basic qualifications, like you have to have a master's, you have to have a PMP certification, those things make you eligible for the role. What makes you suitable for the role is how close do you hit home when it comes to the job description in terms of the kind of work you've done, uh, how uh, well you will work within the framework of the project, how good you are going to gel with the uh, environment of the company, the culture of the company, and whether or not you are the kind of the person who uh, your team leader, your immediate leader is going to be looking for. These areas have to be absolutely addressed using your resume. These are the initial objections, as we like to call, uh, wherein, say, does the person have 15 years of experience? Yes, but in what domain? And if yes, what is the noteworthy contribution that they have had? Think of this section like the trailer of a movie. If the trailer is not good, would you go and watch a movie? You need to have an absolutely stunning section. And this is the section we resume writers spend the most time on because this creates the first impression and you don't get a second chance to create it. It's more like a hook. Absolutely. And this is applicable to everyone in spite of uh, being a fresher or middle level or senior level. Everyone should have it? No. Freshers will have something called a career objective. Because they don't have any experience to showcase, like real-world experience as such. They might have experience with their projects and internships. But they need to talk more about where it is that they want to get to and what are the skills that they are going to be using to get there. So we've got the heading, the career like summary or objective, the competencies. What next? Your the tools experience. as well. Yes. Yes, what next? Your work experience. Yeah. The Part of your resume is your work experience. You cannot talk about responsibilities here. It's just not going to cut it because everybody else is doing this, right? Everyone else has the same responsibilities with respect to the domain and position, of course. And if you're doing the same thing, what makes you different? The USP that you started in the beginning shouldn't be like a bolt of lightning that just comes and leaves. It should be like a proper light bulb that maintains the consistency. And that's what has to happen through your resume. So let's break it down into step by step exactly how do we go about the work experience like, like section. Talking about where you're currently working or like last worked or the like first work. Because some people do have this mm-hmm. doubt that mm-hmm. should I talk about the place where, you know, which has more brand value? I should talk about that organization first or should I go in a hierarchy? What's your take? There are different ways of writing a resume. There's no one size fits all. There is something called the functional resume where you lead with a skill set which you generally use if you're trying to change domains or industries. Uh, you use your transferable skills there. For example? <laughs> For example, if trying, I'm trying to move from, say, digital marketing, mm-hmm. uh, where I have had my experience with working with clients to understand their needs and all these things. And I'm moving to a customer-centric role where, mm-hmm. uh, again, it's customer-facing. Mm-hmm. I will use my skill set like uh, root cause analysis, client needs analysis, Okay, uh, all of these things, uh, then excellent communication skills, mm-hmm. SOP design, these kind of skill sets, and build my resume around that mm-hmm. with those as the pillars of my resume to showcase that this is a skill set that I bring, which I used in X industry, 
mm-hmm. is also required in my industry. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's an A intersection B. Of course, whatever is the missing part, I'm capable enough of learning it. Or I've taken initiatives to learn that through certain courses. Nidhi, some people genuinely have a lot of accomplishments, what they have done their entire extent of maybe two years or five years, whatever it is. How many pointers should we have per job experience that we mentioned on the resume? Pointers can be like 20 for the master copy. Okay. For the main copy, you can keep it up to six or seven. Six, seven per job description. Sorry, that, per job role. No, six, seven for the most recent one. As you keep going back, they keep getting lesser in number. And uh, how long should be one pointer, one liner or two line? It's the, never a make or break deal that, oh, this resume has a two liner point, so I'm not going to take it. It's more about what you're communicating and how effectively you're, do, effectively you're doing it. If it takes two lines, make it bad, 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 bad. Two is the limit. Don't go to three, four, five, write a paragraph and say, Man, I've done all this, so I'm going to write about it. Mm-hmm. Brevity, like Brevity. you spoke about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely essential. Anything that you want to add in terms of experience? I do section? want to add Please. one thing. Uh, I spoke about solution selling in the beginning. Yes. Remember who you are selling to. Everyone is selling. So remember who you're selling to and what you're selling. For example, if I'm selling project management skills and I'm selling it to a company, how best can I package that? Instead of just saying, hey, I know project management or end-to-end project management. How best can I talk about my contribution? Give me an example. Something that would interest the company. So companies are bothered about their profit. They hire you only because you can either help them get more profit or help them sustain the current levels of profit that they have. Now, with those two pointers in mind, what is it that you've done for the company? Again, have you had the client be happier? Have you increased the client satisfaction score, say from seven to eight? That's still a big deal because feedback is very easy to be negative. Very hard to get positive feedback out of someone. So how, what have you done to take the client satisfaction score from seven to eight? Maybe some process was there in the company, which was manual. You made it automated. So now instead of spending seven hours a week, they're doing it in two minutes. That's saving manpower, which means they say using those seven hours or rather six hours, 58 minutes somewhere else, which will yield the money. All direct and indirect ways of making money, that is what you have to think about. Who you're selling to is important. You're selling to the company. What are they interested in? Talk about that, not about what you are interested in. You are not the one person for whom the resume is written. You're the writer. Write it for the reader, not for the writer. Having all these things packed up in one page, or do we have the freedom to go to the second page? Lovely that you asked it. (laughs) I'll give you statistics. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, people think that a one-page resume is the end-all, be-all. It's not. Mm-hmm. The recruiters themselves mm-hmm. prefer a two to three, pa- uh, a two-page resume, mm-hmm. two to three times more mm-hmm. than they prefer a one-page one page. resume. The second thing is, it's not really about, even if I have two pages and I have mediocre information, it's not mm-hmm. going to cut it. I've seen people who reduce the font size to as low as six. On the resume, yes. I, sometimes I feel like I have to grab binoculars and I feel so sad for them because they've been told all their lives it has to be a one page only. So if you cannot reduce the information, reduce the font size, remove the margins altogether, do everything you can, it doesn't work. Hmm. You have all the freedom to go to two pages unless, of course, on your second page is only one line. In that case, my brother or sister, go back to the first page, look at brevity, put it within one page. Hmm. But one and a half, two pager mm. is absolutely fine. 
Still, I've seen that sometimes after having all these things in place, resume is not shortlisted mm -hmm. because of ATS. Mm -hmm. ATS, the enemy of all. Mm -hmm. What is it? How do you break through the walls of ATS? I think I'll start this answer with Suno, Suno, Suno. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please open your ears and listen. Mm -hmm. ATS is not the enemy. So the ATS okay. is an applicant tracking system. Mm -hmm. uh, you know how you switch from landlines to mobile phones mm -hmm. for convenience. You don't have to remember phone numbers anymore. Applicant tracking systems do that for the recruiters. So instead of having 200 pages of resumes printed out and then going through them, or instead of having a register where they log in what candidate has applied, what is the stage of the process that they are at? Are they qualified, disqualified? It's just digitized. Mm -hmm. To give you an example, I believe everybody in India has watched at least one episode of CID or Savdan India or absolute best crime patrol. Okay. And there is always that one scene where there's a constable who goes to a very dusty room filled with files and mm. he's trying to get the file of the yeah. criminal and all that, right? Imagine a digital version of that. Mm -hmm. That is the front end of the applicant tracking system. Mm -hmm. It is able to count how many applications have come in. Mm -hmm. A digital version of the applications is available. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's about it. The rest of it is about where the candidate is in the journey. Mm -hmm. And it helps in data transparency. People across the teams can see this mm -hmm. instead of passing on a register and giving it to everyone. Now, this is not a mindless AI robot that is rejecting you. That is unfortunately, again, like I said, fear mongering that happens and very unfortunately happens a lot in my industry for people to sell their services. Uh, there are people who talk about beating the ATS. No, the ATS is your friend. And let me explain how. I put out a job opening. It says minimum 15 years of experience required. There are people who are so desperate for a job that they don't have the time to read a job description. They have made this a numbers game. I apply to 100. At least in one, I'll get an interview. Without reading, they apply. Somebody with 10 years of experience has applied. You have 15 years of experience. Now, you qualify or you are eligible rather and this person is not eligible. Now, would you wait for a recruiter to go through 25 resumes and then figure out your resume? Or if 25 unqualified people are there, you would rather eliminate that and have the recruiter read yours first. Mm -hmm. Of course, the latter is a more favorable mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. and that is what the applicant tracking system does. Mm -hmm. Depending on things that have been fed into it, mm -hmm. if you are eligible, your resume goes forward. Mm -hmm. After that, it is seen by a recruiter. A recruiter reads it, rather skims through it in 30 to 40 seconds, then decides whether or not to give you an interview call. Mm -hmm. It is not the applicant tracking system. The second part that happens that most candidates complain about is that maybe when I'm applying for a role, questions come up. Do you have uh, the work permit for my country? Mm -hmm. Okay, what is your expected salary and mm -hmm. all that? And why is that a deal breaker? Because mm -hmm. the moment I say I don't have the work permit, I get a rejection email. Mm -hmm. That is something called knockout questions. Mm -hmm. Knockout questions are designed so that basic things that are required are absolutely met and a recruiter does not have to go through the pain of identifying whether or not mm -hmm. you have these things. Mm -hmm. So if the role requires me to have a work permit in the US, I don't have it. There's a knockout question on that. I say I don't have it. I immediately get a rejection email, not because the ATS is against me mm -hmm. or because the universe is against me. Parameter was mm -hmm. I am not eligible. It is as simple as that. Mm -hmm. That is how it works. Got it. So resume sorted, mm -hmm. right? We're about to get a call. Mm -hmm. Yes. How about the cover letter? Where do we like start from and how do we navigate through the journey? 
is simple. Think of your cover letter like your green salad with your dal makhani. I love giving food analogies, mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. the way, and mm-hmm. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> let me like, visualize it. A green salad yes. with dal makhani. Okay. And roti, of and course. Roti, I like course. it. I like okay. it. But not Is many people like it. Break it down for it. us. Yeah, many How people don't taste? like it. How does it taste? Yeah, go on. <laughs> So the point is, depending on who is at the dinner table, okay, the preference changes. I like it. My dad does not. Mm-hmm. So when I want it, I'll ask for it. When I don't want it, I won't ask for it. Okay. To put it in context again, look at the company Amazon. They clearly tell you, even if you submit cover letters, we are not reading them. Mm-hmm. They don't want your cover letters. Mm-hmm. Anything that you want to communicate, communicate on the resume. We get back to you. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have companies. Where in the application process, you will see cover letter red star, mm-hmm. absolutely important. Yeah. It's, it's important. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, your application is not, not moving listed. forward, yep. mm-hmm. right? So depending on who your employer or prospective mm-hmm. employer is, mm-hmm. this becomes either optional or mandatory. That's the first thing to know. Second is that a cover letter should not be a mere repetition of your resume. Mm-hmm. It should be something that complements your resume. So while your resume tells a person what you have done. Your cover letter should put together pieces of why you and why this company. How do you make a good match? How does this project stand any kind of benefit from the company's association with you? You put the pieces together and complement the whole thing. Thank you, Nidhi. It was an absolute delight having you on the show, and it was, was so mine. insightful. Your experience, your detailing. That is something which is like top notch, which distinguishes you from a lot of other folks who talk about themselves as a coach. And I'm sure all those who have listened to this conversation would take like a lot of valuable nuggets with them. Thank you so much. Thank you. The pleasure was mine. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of WorkWiseWithNaughty.com. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this. Also, do share this with your friends who would benefit from this episode. I'm your host Divas Gupta, and you are listening to WorkWiseWithNaughty, a career podcast from Naughty.com, produced by Wine Studio.